0: Well, Northside family, is good to be with you today. My name's Nate. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, and would you welcome everybody in our video venue right now? Just let them know. We're thankful that they are with us. And for those of you who got to go on spring break, welcome back to Southern Indiana. And... Uh, cold and rainy, but uh, man, it was a great weekend. I had off last weekend, and I had big plans with my family. Uh, And, uh, you know, probably a bunch of you had spring break plans. I had a couple friends, they got to go on a cruise. They got to do all this other stuff during spring break. And, you know, last week I had all these plans that I was going to do with my family, and then the flu took my family down one by one, and I was the last man standing. And so I went on a cruise uh, to Rite Aid. And I cruised up and down the aisle all week going back and getting medicine for my family. And so I don't know the week that you've had, but I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that you're back. And uh, I love this series that we're in called Pulling Weeds. Uh, I've started doing some yard work. I'm sure some of you have. Last week we had some, you know, almost 70, 70 degree days and those are coming up as well this week. And, you know, we start doing some yard work and we get out there. And uh, the reason why we're doing this series is as we lead up to Easter, this is a great season for us to really really evaluate and pull some of the weeds that are in our hearts and allow God to do a fresh work in us. And one of the ways that we want to keep doing this is we are so glad that you're here, Uh, but we want God to do a work all the way throughout the week, because this is the beautiful thing about Jesus. He is with us here this morning, but he is with you and I every moment of our day. There's never a moment that we don't have him. There's never a moment that his spirit isn't wanting to work in us. And so what we want to cultivate here as a church is a life that we live with our Savior. And so one way we want to invite you to dig a little bit deeper into what God has is when you leave this room out in the lobby, a couple different areas, we have our sermon questions. And whether you're in a life group or not, I know this week when our life group gets back together, we'll go through these sermon questions. We'll work on this together. And this is just an invitation for you to say, you know what, let's dive a little bit deeper into to what God says today. You know, this is what i found. A lot of times people go, man, you know, they'll see me, they go, love that message last week. It was so great. I'm like, oh yeah, what was your favorite part? I don't know, but I loved it, man. I just, it was so good. It touched my soul. And I'm like, well, I'm glad, you know. And sometimes what can happen is we can hear it and man, it resonates, but man, so often we can forget it. And so this is why we want to help encourage you to go, man, we want to guide you into God's word throughout the week. And I love Jason Petty's sermon last week. And if you were here, man, didn't he do a phenomenal job? That was not one that I forgot. And it was one that I deeply needed. It was on comparison. I want to invite you to go back on our app and go, uh, go watch that. Uh, you can even get the sermon questions on our app. They'll be loaded on there as well. Uh, but Jason talked about the weeds that grow in our heart of comparison and I'll be honest, I was guilty last week as, you know, here my family is everybody's sick and all this other stuff. And all I'm doing on seeing on social media is where everybody else is at. Good for you, you know, and uh, I'm sure you deserved it. And, and what can happen is when we start comparing ourselves to that, one, we don't celebrate what God is doing in our life right now. And we just, we, we, we go, man, God, I'm not really satisfied. And Jason dove into that. But he said also what happens is this, we become envious of one another. And not only can we not celebrate what God has given us, this is what happens when we just compare ourselves, we don't celebrate what God has given us, we also can't celebrate other people. And so we just live envious of others, and we're not really living for them as God has called the church to live. And he said, we just live in envy, and he goes, it's the way that we break this way of comparison is that we celebrate what God is doing in our life, and we celebrate one another. And then he used this word, too. He said, it's not just that we become envious. He said that if we're not careful and all we do is we compare ourselves to one another, we'll become prideful. And that's where I want to lead us in today. Because this is why what we find is this. I don't know if you've kind of looked at your yard this week, but when you start looking at weeds, have you ever realized weeds never grow just in one spot? Man, and the more you let the weeds grow, what happens? Man, the more they just start spreading. And the more they start begin to take over different things in your yard. And the longer you let it go unattended, the more weeds pop up. And today what we're going to find is this. If we're not careful and we don't allow God into our heart and deal with the weeds of our life of comparison, this is what will begin to happen in our heart. We move now from comparison to Judgment. And it's no longer being envious of people. We now start judging people. And a lot of times this is what we find. We don't even realize. Now we're like unconscious judgers. We don't even realize how much we're judging everyone else. I don't know if you found yourself saying this this week. Maybe you saw somebody's picture on spring break and you go, how'd they afford that trip? I know where they work. I know the car they drive. I know how much Disney World is. They don't make that much money and we don't even realize that we're judging people. And we even say phrases like this, I'm not judging them, I'm just saying. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> like, I'm not judging, but guilty. You're guilty, right? You know, and we say it, we don't even realize that we're saying this stuff. And what happens is we no longer are comparing ourselves. We are now judging people. And I began to think about why is it that we judge people? And two things came to my mind. This is why I judge people. This is why I think we judge people. There's two things. One, it's for power. And because this is what happens, if somebody's judging us, that means they have power over us, so we're going, I'm not going to let you have power, I'm not going to let you think you have a better life than me, and let you have power over me, I'm going to judge you so I can keep the power. Matter of fact, I began to think about that in my own life, and I could recall all the way back to where I would judge people when I was five years old. I don't know about you, but I grew up watching WWF. Anybody remember before it was WWE? Like WWF, back in the day, man, right? You know? And then wrestling's real. No, it's not. You know, But this is what I believed when I was five. And uh, this is what I would do. I, you can ask my cousins this. When I would hang out with my cousins, their friends, they were a little bit older than me. And so they were always strong than me. They always had power over me. And when their friends would come around, this is what I would say. When they would have a friend that would come around, I would lean over to them and I would say this. I bet I can body slam them. I'm five, but there was something in me that said, I want to have power over them, and when we begin to judge people, what we're really saying is this, I'm going to judge you so I can have power. I don't want to lose power. I don't want to have this idea that you're better than me, or you have a one-up on me, so I'm going to judge you, and we say stuff like this, well, who died and made you judge Who died and made you the one? Who died and gave you the power? Jesus, but we'll get to him here in a second, all right? (laughs) But we say phrases like that, and we don't even realize that we're judging all the time. And we're judging, and we're judging. judging. The other thing I realize is this. A lot of times we judge so we can give ourselves permission. We say stuff like this. Well, who are you to judge me? Who are you? You and really, what we're doing is this. What we're saying is, Who are you to tell me how I'm supposed to live? Who are you to speak into my who? Who are you? And really, what we do is we use this to give ourselves permission to live however we want. Even sometimes as Christians, we become, you know, you saw some incredible baptisms today. I love the stories of how God is redeeming people and it's over a course of time and it's journey and it's relationships. And sometimes if we're not careful, what can happen is this, we can become a Christian and then people can begin to speak into our life and we'll go, whoa, whoa, whoa. no, God saved me, but I can kind of live and make decisions how I want. And so we use judgment for permission to kind of live however we want. And I don't know about you, but man, I'm feeling the tension more and more in this world as Christians, and this is the tension that I'm feeling, that if I make any judgment in this world, I only have two options. One, I have to agree with everything the world is saying, and if I don't, I don't love them. And if I don't agree, then I hate them. And as Christians, we feel this tension Because we are called to love the world, but sometimes we go, I can't agree with the world. And so if I can't agree with you, that doesn't mean I don't love you. And the world goes, yes, it does. Well, then we go, okay, well, then I... (laughs) You know, how am I supposed to judge and how am I supposed to make any decisions? And Jesus is calling us to love him. And matter of fact, we're going to look at one of the most popular verses today that actually has gotten taken out of context that Jesus said. See, this is why we've got to pay attention to the word of God. This is why we've got to let God's word speak for itself. Because this is one of the phrases that people have lifted out of scripture. They've lifted out of Jesus's life and his words, and we miss the heart of Jesus. And it's in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Listen to what it says here. These are the words of Jesus. So it's not just Scripture. This is Jesus' words, and he says this. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Anybody ever tell you that? You can't judge me. Scripture says, do not judge. And we hear that, and we go, okay. But what's funny is Jesus says, do not judge, or you will be judged, meaning this. He's judging you. Well, which is it, Jesus? Do we not judge, or do we judge? Because you just judged and we get lost in this tension. But listen what Jesus says. He says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And forever I've looked at this passage and I went, okay, I'm not supposed to judge anybody. And when I would go to tell people about Christ, or I'd share Christ, you know, and talk about, man, we've got to turn from our sin and follow him, they go, Well, you can't judge me. And I'm like, Well, I guess you're right. Jesus said, don't judge, until I began to dive deeper into this text. And I didn't know this. You might want to write this down. This word judge here doesn't mean just to have a thought. But what Jesus says here is when he says, do not judge, what he's calling Christians to do, this is who he's talking to. He's not just talking to the world and culture. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to followers of him. He says this when he says, do not judge, that word judge means to condemn. And what Jesus is saying is this as Christians, your job is not to go into the world and to go condemn the world. That's not our job. Matter of fact, John chapter 3, verse 17, Jesus says this same word, except it's translated in its normal pretense. Here it says judge, but in John 3 17, right after John 3 16, where Jesus tells Nicodemus, For God so loved the world, listen what he says in John 3 17. He says, for God did not send his son Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. Here's how we navigate our way through this world of how we're going. You know what? We are supposed to think critically. We are supposed to think well and make wise decisions and use discernment. And at the same time, as Christians, we're not supposed to condemn the world. And this is what we find in Jesus Jesus didn't come to condemn or condone the sin in this world, but he came to care for the world. See, Jesus, and this is, he lives differently. The world says either you've got to love me and accept me and you can't think about me or say, speak into my life, or if you don't, you hate me. And Jesus goes, I don't play by your rules. Jesus says, I'm creating a third way. When you see this, Jesus didn't come to condemn. That's what he said. He goes, for the Son of Man didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Could Jesus have come into the world and just condemned us all? Absolutely. We're all guilty of sin. He could have come into the world and gone, guilty, and I'm out of here. But he didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He says, I came into the world to save the world. Meaning this, that you and I are sinners, and so Jesus didn't come just not to condemn us. He also came not to condone our sin, but he gives us a third way. He says, I've come into the world to save it, to love it, to care for this world. It's God's job to condemn. Ours is to care. There's a big difference between condemning the world and caring for the world. And can we be honest? Isn't it easier to condemn the world than it is to care for it? Jesus, I condemn them in your name. Amen. All right? right. Now, and it feels so much cleaner. That means we don't have to get around those people. That means we don't have to talk to them. That means we don't have to give a rip about them. They're like, hey, they're on a highway to hell and here you go, you know, and I'm just gonna leave you alone. And man, it is so much easier to just condemn people than it is to care for people. And Jesus says, I wanna root that out of you. Because here, let me just let you understand right now as Christians, we have an unbelievable opportunity. Because everything else in the world is saying this. You're either with us or what? You're against us. If you're not on the left you're the enemy, and if you're not on the right politically, you're the enemy, and all you're seeing is this, there is no more middle ground anymore. Everybody's going, you're either on this side or you're on this side, and you're seeing this battle happen everywhere. You either believe this about marriage or you believe that, and everybody is getting their distance, and everybody's going further and further away, and everybody in our world, this is why we feel this tension in our world, the only thing the world's doing to one another is absolutely condemning one another. And Jesus says, I did not come into the world to condemn the world. I came into the world to save it. I came into the world to care for it and to lead us back to God. Is your heart today the same as the heart of Jesus? Or is your heart one that says, no, I'm just going to condemn the world. See, Jesus wants to root these things out of us. He wants to pull these weeds out of us and goes, I want you to leave your heart of condemnation, and I want to lead you in this heart to care for this world. I have come to save this world. I know it's broken. I know there's things wrong. He's going, that's why I've come close. And he goes this, he's he's saying this, the only way that he can care for the world is he's, he's got to come close to the world. And the only way you and I are going to care for the world is that we've got to come close to the world. We've gotta be people who are willing to say, I know you might not believe what I believe, but I am called to care and to love you. I'm to be for you. But here's the deal, caring doesn't mean just that we don't condemn people, it also means that we don't condone sin. It means that we've got to be wise in how we believe in the following the scriptures. I hear some people say this all the time. They're like, you know, Nate, the only problem with the church is we got to get back to being a New Testament church. we got to get back to being the early church. we got to get back to the way God set it up in the New Testament. And I go, yes, we need to have God's heart, but I also want to go be careful because there are some disappointing stories in the New Testament about people who didn't follow and live out the ways of Jesus even though they claim to be a Christ follower. Matter of fact, Go read 1 Corinthians chapter 5 today, and uh, what you'll find is one of the most embarrassing stories in the New Testament. Uh, Paul planted this church in Corinth, which would be like us going to plant a church in Vegas. Just imagine who would show up to that church, right? And you're going, you get all these wild people who have all these crazy pasts showing up to church, and they become followers of Jesus. The only problem is this, they accepted Jesus... That they didn't want to live life by him. And in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul has to write to the church because there's a guy who is now sleeping with his stepmom and he's bragging about it as a Christian. And I go, whoa, what? I thought we were reading the Bible. Go read it, 1 Corinthians 5. And you go, "That's, that's not what the church is supposed to do. And we go, right, this is why we also can't condone sin in the church. We don't walk around condemning people. We also don't walk around condoning sin. Matter of fact, listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12 through 13. He says this. He says, "What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church?" He goes, "What business is it of mine to walk around going, "You're going to hell and you're going to hell?" Well how helpful is that? But are you not to judge those inside? Meaning this, are you not to say, hey, if you're a Christ follower, i got to let you know, you don't get to sleep with your stepmom. I'm like, let's just start there, right? And then we'll kind of work the rest of the life of Jesus into our hearts and our souls. We're like, that's kind of ground zero. And we'll build up from there. But that's what he's saying, He's going, hey, our, hey. here's the deal. We don't walk around condemning people. We also don't walk around as a church and just not condone sin. He goes, man, we've got to call that. He goes, God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. And what he's saying is this. He's going, you've got to call this stuff out. As Christians, we've got to live in this tension of going, yeah, just because you, you know, gave your life to Christ and maybe you got baptized and now you're saved doesn't mean you get to just do whatever you want now. This is a different tension that Jesus calls us into. He goes, no, you've got to follow me. Well, how do we live this life? How do we care for one another? We are such in this tension as Christians in this world. How do we care well if we're not supposed to condemn the world, but we also aren't supposed to condone sin? How do we care well? How are we to be light and salt in this world? And listen what Jesus says. He goes right after it. He tells us exactly how to do it in verse 3. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? I love this about Jesus. He goes, a lot of times we want to start with the world. We want to start with everybody else's problem. He goes, no, 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 no. You've got to start with the plank that's in your own eye. And we don't ever use that word plank. You know, we all, our only phrase is this. You got to go walk the what? You know, you got to go walk the plank. And actually this word plank here, the background of that word means a beam. Jesus is being big with his illustration here. He's going, how is it that you are focusing on the sawdust, this little speck of sawdust in your brother's eye when you have a beam shooting out of your own eye? Yeah, anybody ever been spiritually smacked in the back of the head by somebody with a two by four? I remember a couple months ago, this happened to me. I was at a a Christian event. It was like a fundraiser thing. And this guy came up to me and we're acquaintances. You know, I knew his name and he knows me, but we don't really know each other. And, you know, I'm just like, hey, good to see you. And he comes up to me and he has a book. And this is after I've just taken over the church here as the lead pastor. I'm only a couple months in and he comes up to me and he gives me a book. And this is all he tells me. He goes, here, you and your church need this. Thank you. And I kind of felt this spiritual beam hit me in the back of the head. And I walked away, and this was the only thing I could think about in my heart. You don't even know me. And what do you know about our church? And how do you have this authority to tell me what I need? A lot of times we don't even, we think it's the world who's after it. A lot of times we beat each other up in the church. We walk around, man. We just have this beam. We're just smoking people in the face, man. You walk into your work, da 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 da. You know, you're just hitting everybody. You're calling out the speck, and everybody, and everybody's like, dude, you just gave me a nosebleed, man. You know, like. And Jesus is going, how is it that you look at the speck in everybody else's eye and you ignore the beam in your own eye? Matter of fact, this is if we're not careful, we got to pay attention. We got to pay attention to this that you can hang around Jesus and if you're not careful you'll become more arrogant. Not because Jesus makes you arrogant, but because you and I begin to think we are Jesus. Anybody ever heard of this phrase, the Messiah complex? You might have a relative, you might have a boss, you might have somebody who they think and look and act like Jesus. Matter of fact, the disciples fell into this trap in Luke chapter nine, they walked around, they had no idea how big their beam was and they were just hitting people left and right. Literally in Luke chapter nine, verses 51 through 54, listen to the story. It says, as the time approached for him, Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Jesus knew his mission. He's going, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world, and I'm resolutely going to Jerusalem to lay down my life so that the world can know me, so that the world can be forgiven of their sin, so that the world can have hope. He's going, I'm not here to condemn. I'm here to care for the world. I could condemn, but that's, none another. that's not what God's called me to do. He resolutely sets out for Jerusalem, and he sent his messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him, but the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem, and here's why. The Samaritans and the Jews in Jerusalem, they hated each other. Jesus knows what racial tension is because he's trying to go save the world, and he's trying to go through the Samaritan village, and they don't want him. So today, if you feel rejected for being a Christian, Jesus goes, I know exactly what you're going through. Jesus goes, I know exactly how to handle this racial tension because I lived in it. And his disciples, they go in, and this city, they don't want anything to do with Jesus. Jesus knows what it feels like to be rejected. And it says, when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? This was the first Turner Burn sermon, right, we see in Scripture. Jesus, do you, they don't want you, can we just kill them? It's easier to condemn than it is to care, isn't it? It's easier to condemn. Let's just kill them, Jesus. They don't want you, can we just burn them up? What does Jesus say? Jesus turned and rebuked them, the disciples, and they went to another village. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. Is this your heart or your prayers? God, would you burn them up? Would you just burn them up? Don't make me care for them, God. Just burn them up. Did you see that? Jesus, do you want us to burn them? You see that us and them language? That's plank language. That's walking around hitting people in the side of the head. They don't want you. Can we just smack them in the back of the head, Jesus? Jesus says, here's the deal, fellas. If you want to love and care for this world this is what he's saying in matthew chapter 7 he goes first you got to take the plank out of your own eye quit running around trying to condemn and judge the world and look at yourself and take the plank out of your own eye and here's how we care for the world well we care for others by confessing our sins first we're waiting for the world to get their act together aren't we We're going, get your act together, then you can come to church with me. Isn't that what church is for? No, I'm not waiting for you to get your act together. I'm not waiting for you to recognize that you're a sinner. No, I'm called to come and care for you. I'm, called to, I'm here to love you. And here's what Jesus says. He goes, first, take the plank out of your own eye. Quit condemning everybody else around you and start looking at the failures and the flaws in your own self and take the speck out of your own eye. Confess your own sin first because what happens is that humbles us and it leads us into a new life. I began to think more about this because and we're gonna talk next week about the grudges that we carry because first it starts as comparison then it goes to judgment then we got it we start holding grudges with people and I'll admit man that guy who just came up and told me hey you and your church need this book I started holding a grudge against him what do you know about me and man I just started condemning him and all this stuff and here I am I'm reading this patch I'm you know passage and guys going Nate you don't get a chance to condemn him you got to forgive him and I started thinking about that I'm like okay I got to forgive him but Jesus, how do I need to make sure I don't replicate that? And I don't walk around just smoking people in the back of the head with the beam in my own eye. And I began to think about it. I'm like, you know what? If that guy would have came up to me and said, hey, Nate, this book changed my life. I was a broken man and this book helped me follow Jesus better, and here, this is what I was before, and here's who I am now, and it has changed my life, and I can just think of nothing better than to give you this book because it has changed my life. You know what my response would have been? Thank you. Thank you. But he led with condemnation. He didn't lead with confession. Church, we have to lead with confession not condemnation. See, when we confess first that we're sinners, what happens is this, we walk around as people who are humbled and we're not looking to condemn, we're looking to save because we know the one who has saved us. And man, it changes our position, it changes our words, it changes our mindset. We're not looking at the speck anymore. We're going, no, God, you are calling this stuff out of me. Because then Jesus says this, he goes, first, take the plank out of your own eye. And then he says, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Too many times we think this whole thing about following Jesus is about you and Jesus. Jesus going, no, I want to save you, but I want to save you so you can care for others so that you can come alongside, so that you can help them take the speck of sawdust out of their eye. It's not just about us. It is about God going, I want to save you because I want to send you to care for this world. I didn't come to condemn this world. I came to save this world. I came to lead these people and redeem all things back to me. And this is what I'm finding in the midst of this is Jesus is saying that here's how we care First, we care by confessing our sins first, and then we care by just simply serving others. We come alongside, one of my favorite authors is Henry Nowen, and in his book, Wounded Healer, he says this, I thought this was fascinating. He says, only the wounded can heal. Only the wounded can heal, meaning this. Until you and I realize our faults and our failures and we're allowing Jesus to save us from our devastation and our sin, he goes, you actually can't even offer any healing and hope to this world. It's only when we recognize that we are wounded and flawed and allow Jesus to save us can he begin to do a work of God in and through us my buddy he's an eye doctor and i called him i said hey man i'm, I'm preaching on this passage and i said you know you're an eye doctor not only you're an eye doctor you don't just do checkups you do surgery and i said you know i get three shots at this sermon right and uh, i tell the saturday night service all the time if you want to hear what i really meant to say go watch the 11 30 on the live stream uh, because it's going to be a whole lot better and uh and I told him, I said, you know, I, I, go, I got three shots at this sermon. I said, you have one shot at this surgery. And if you mess that surgery up, yee man there's no 11:30 service for you you know that's it you're, you're one and done on this stuff and I said how do you make come in and do eye surgery this is such a delicate thing and I said how'd you even get passionate about it and I love his, his heart he said this he goes man I, he goes I love it he goes I'm so passionate about it he goes I love physics he says I love all these different things that come along with the surgery He goes I love the math and the optics he goes everybody knows 2020 vision and so when we take your vision we he goes you get to take all the feelings out of it and you know there's numbers and you're trying to hit these numbers and you're going to do everything to make that happen. He goes, I just, I absolutely love everything about that. He said, and then before he goes right after all this stuff, he goes, I close my eyes and I go in surgery. You close your eye. He goes, no, not in surgery, man. He said, but before I'm about ready to make the decision on surgery, he goes, I close my eyes. I said, you, you got to explain this to me. He said, I close my eyes so I can listen to what the patient has said. And I can identify their needs. He said, there are so many gadgets and gizmos that are created now that actually I could use them and they cost more money and they make me more money. But oftentimes, that's not always what the patient needs. And I close my eyes and I listen. And he said, and I check my ego and I get rid of all my preconceived ideas of this person, and I get ready to serve them. I went, what a great way for Christians to live. That instead of condemning people, we would stop and we would listen. And we would hear without preconceived ideas of folks, but we would listen to what they're saying, and we would listen to the deeper needs of their life. And we would check our egos and we would get ready to serve them. See, this is what Jesus is saying. I don't need you to go around condemning. I need you to go around serving and caring for the world that I've come to save. Matter of fact, we read this passage Chapter 7, verse 6, when Jesus says this, we always, I've always interpreted it wrong when he says this, Do not give dogs what is sacred, and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. And I've always interpreted that. I'm like, this is why you, you know—you got to be careful who you share Jesus with, because they're just going to destroy you and all this other stuff. And, and you know what? I, I've realized this. Isn't it funny how everyone else, when we read this passage, it's everyone else who's the pig and the dog, isn't it? It's never us. But at one point in time before we knew and followed Jesus, who were we? We were the pig and the dog. Funny how we forget, isn't it? Funny how we forget where Jesus met us. Funny how we forget how we were addicted to all this other stuff and we were pursuing all these other things in our life. And yet Jesus came along and didn't condemn us, but he came to save us and care for us. And yet all we want to do is go back to the world and condemn it. Interesting. See, I've missed the words of Jesus. Some of you are going, Nate, I love this. I want to go care, but man, this is hard. It's just so much easier to condemn the world than it is to care for it. How do we live this out? I'm trying not to be judgmental, but if I, yeah, I'm just saying I'm not good at it. And it's like, yeah, I know. And this is why Jesus continues on. Listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. He gives us the way out. He says, here's the way to live. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus says this, I'm not asking you to walk around trying to be good people who don't judge. He goes, you're not capable of that. You know what I want you to do? I want you to ask me to help remove the weeds that are in your heart so that you don't walk around condemning people, but you can walk around caring for people. And he says this, here's how we're going to care, just by simply asking God for everything. He goes, just ask me. Ask, seek, knock. He goes, come after me. I, I, he goes, I love what he says. He says, for everyone, he, he's going, not just for the good people or not just for those who have it all together. He goes, no, for everyone who asks, receives. Do you have a problem judging people? Ask God to remove that. Ask God to say, God, would you begin to change this? Knock and the door will be open. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be open. He's going, a part of our problem is this. We never take the time to ask God to change our hearts and our lives. Which means this, all we stay as is Christians who walk around condemning the world, never caring for it. He's going, man, just ask me. Ask. And he says this in verse 9. I love this. He says, which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? That's kind of funny, right? You know, hey, Dad, bring me a fish. Here you go. You throw a live snake on there. And he goes, which one does that? Nobody does that. He goes on to say this. He goes, if you then, though you are evil, meaning though you are sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Too often times we're embarrassed to ask God for anything. So our problem is this. We stay stuck in our sin because we're never willing to humble ourselves and go, God, would you help me? Would you help me? How much more, Jesus says, will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? He's going, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to save you. And I'm here to send you into the world to care for this world. And then he says this, So in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Jesus says, don't just ask for you. This is the golden rule. He goes, What I want you to do is I want you to come after me so I can save you so that you can now be people who care for my world. I'm calling you into a life that you can't create or think of in your own. I'm wanting to do a work that only I can do in and through me. Ask me. For some of you, you've struggled with judging everybody. Maybe you've struggled different people and choices that they've made in their life. And for years, all you've chosen to do is to condemn them because it's easier. Let me just condemn them. That way I don't have to get close. That's why I don't have to care. And Jesus going, no, 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 no. No, that's not the way I work. I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save. The world. I came to come close the world and I'm here all you need to do is ask me see what's interesting is this Jesus cared for us by being condemned for us he's going I don't want you to just not condemn the world he's going I'm going to care for you by being condemned for you See, this is what makes Jesus so good. He's not walking around just telling you what to do. He comes to earth and he dies and he takes our sin upon himself so that we can know the care and the love and the saving grace of the Father. Matter of fact, listen to this. This is in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. This is 700 years before Jesus shows up. This is God's heart all along. And he talks about Jesus. And listen to what he says. He says, But he was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that was brought us peace was upon him. And listen to this by his wounds, we are healed. You can't heal yourself. And you and I can't be the judge of our lives and say, no, Nate, you're not guilty. Guess what? I'm guilty. I'm guilty. But it is by the wounds of Jesus that I am healed. See, the one who didn't have a plank took my plank. And the one who wasn't a hypocrite died for all the hypocrites. And Jesus is saying, today, I just want you to ask me to change your life. Right now, our volunteers are going to go back to get ready to serve communion. And during this moment, we're going to take communion. If you're new here, I want to let you know what we do every week. Every week, we invite people who are followers of Jesus to take the bread and the juice. To say, God, we remember it is only in and through you and by you that we are saved. And what we do during this moment is we proclaim when we take this bread and the juice, what we do is we're proclaiming, no, Jesus, it is by your wounds we are healed. And so this is what I wanna encourage you to do right now. During this time, whether you're not a follower of Jesus or you are, I want during this time for you to simply do this. Would you begin to give power over to Jesus? Would you begin maybe to get off the throne of your life. And to say, no, Jesus, I'm gonna ask you. You said that you will help me. And Jesus, you've called me to deal with my sin first. And so, Jesus, I'm gonna give you power to speak into my life and to lead my life. Because the beauty is this. It's the words of Jesus. For the Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to what? Save it. Jesus is saying all you gotta do is this, ask me and I'll save you. Not just from your sin, but from condemning this world so that you can care for it. Jesus, this is our prayer right now. Father, we don't wanna admit how guilty we are, but we are. Jesus, we judge others so we don't have to care for them. And Jesus, just in this moment, we ask you to deal with our hearts and our lives. We thank you that you give us the invitation, Jesus, to come to you, to ask for you to change our lives and that you are faithful to the end, Jesus. That even when we've rejected your ways and the world's rejected this, your ways, that Jesus, you have not rejected us. So today in this place, help us to know what you've done on the cross for us, to save us and to lead us into your life. Today, Jesus, we give you power over us. Not just to judge us, but to save us. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.